Hello, welcome to Forefront 360, where we take you all around the intersection of the arts and the Christian faith. I'm your host, Cody Schweikert, joined, as always, or per usual at least, uh, by Nate Mancini. Hello. And Richard Crispin. What's up? How are you guys doing? Still wearing a turtleneck. You're still wearing a a turtleneck. You're still, after all this time, last episode you were wearing a turtleneck and you're still wearing that turtleneck. It's been a whole week. It's been a whole week. Mm -hmm. Wink, wink. Uh, We're actually still, we're just doing a back-to-back recording here, but uh, you guys are, it's been seven days since we talked to you. So uh, it's going to be back with you here at Forefront Studio, uh, World Headquarters, Global, International. Got the uh, marathon recording going on here. That's right. We've got we've got work to get done. And uh, today, this episode, we are continuing our conversation with Kevin Maloney, the lead pastor at Grace Road Church. Lead pastor, that's the right title, isn't it? Uh, Is that the church, official yeah. title? Okay. Yeah, All right, I think sorry. that's... I don't, I don't want to get that wrong. Right you know, I don't want to get that wrong. Uh, yeah, Kevin's a follower of Christ, uh, husband, father, dear friend of Forefront. He's been supportive of us, and we're extremely happy and grateful that you're here, man. Um, yeah. is, is it... I mean, you've been following us for a while. Is it? Mm-hmm. Do you feel any kind of degree of starstruck? Like, oh yeah, I'm. I just are you okay? Nervous and tripping. I don't know what to say. Yeah, I just, just feel like, hey, I can't believe we're regular know, people. That I'm here, high atop forefront tower. Because <laughs> you're a long time in the city listener. like this, looking out the window. It yeah. is. Uh, I know, man. Hey, majestic up here. Hey, look at me. It's okay. We're regular guys. Yeah. You don't. There's nothing special about us. All right. I'll try to try to get that through. My yeah. head. We're just people. Glory to yeah, God. Yeah. Glory to God alone. Okay. <laughs> um, last HGA. That's right. <laughs> KB, we still have a beef. I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk to you later. Um, anyway, uh, we still have some more lightning round questions here. Uh, this was the most popular uh, part of the episode that we released. Yeah. Um, Thanks, for writing in about that. And I don't yeah. know that, but that's my prediction because yeah, it hasn't yeah. been released yet. Uh, but I've got another, another round of questions here. Right, I'm ready. Okay. Favorite place in the world? Camp Hickory Hill. Where is yes, that? I love that place. Where is that? It is uh, Wyoming County, New York. Cody, okay. are you even a Christian? You ever been to Hickory Hill? Which doesn't answer the question. Um, <laughs> near Warsaw, New York. Okay. Which doesn't answer the question. I've heard um, of Warsaw, I think. <laughs> drive south on 390 and, south. Uh, and you'll get there. It, The place itself is not all that special, but that's the place where I came to know the Lord. Spent all my Aww. summers there. Young grew up there. Same. All my good memories were, were, mm. were there growing up. So. Kevin, Rich, I accepted Christ at Hickory Hill as Did well. Did you? Wow. Yeah. We got a fist bump happening. Nice. Uh, nice. Rich wow. is elated. You just, your, your face lit One of my up. favorite places yeah. as well. Oh, wow. I'm happy you guys Were you on that. staff there? No. Okay. Just, just a camper. Gotcha. Just a camper. Happy camper. Okay, okay cool. Favorite place in the world. Cool. Uh, do you speak any Japanese? No. Okay. That's random, but I just wanted to know. Uh, do you listen to Christian hip-hop? No. Okay. Sorry, Lecrae. Oh, I mean, sorry, I've heard TV. some Lecrae songs. It's, it's fine. Just okay. not, my, not have, my genre. Have you heard okay. of Lord Voldemort? Yes. <laughs> Where, <laughs> where's, where's, where's Lord Voldemort from? Am I right that it's Harry Potter? <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, my on, daughter is a Harry Potter fan. On a, on a scale of one to ten, how concerned should the local church be about the return of Lord Voldemort? Uh, I don't know what that means. Okay. You might yeah. say that he's going to return. At the proper moment. <laughs> oh, my. Okay, okay, I fell asleep during the movie. I have okay. cinematic narcolepsy, so oh. we start a movie and I fall asleep Are after you ten serious? minutes. I diagnose myself, but oh, ten minutes in, I'm out. No matter what we're cinematic watching, my wife so has that I don't know what man. happens in any movie. Yeah, my wife has that as well, so I, I know the pain of the other side. Yeah, yeah. It's good. So, my wife actually has learned to enjoy that. Where we'll because she knows that she can like anytime we're going to sit down to watch something, she can generously say, 
Kevin, we'll watch what you want because she knows it's a 10 minute investment on her. Part. She, she knows <laughs> right. that I'll be out. And then as soon as I'm out, she Turn changes it off. It, so it's hilarious. Okay. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, favorite member of the happy rant podcast. Oh, they're all, they're all good. They're all good um, in their own ways. It's hard. You got to go with Ted Cluck though. Right. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Pipe baby. I'm sorry. sorry. sorry Ronnie. I'm sorry. I know you guys are listening yeah. right now. I apologize, but I think it's more of just the question is like, who do you relate to most and who do you, yeah. you know, whatever. I don't yeah, know. There, there's something to relate to in all of them. There is. They're all, I love that show. Um, their podcast is almost as good as this one. Uh, Italian or Mexican food? Mexican. Okay. Would you let Kanye West lead worship at church one week if he asked? No, but if you wanted to do a concert during the week, uh, come on over. Okay. Uh, I think I already know the answer to this question. Godfather 1 or Godfather 2? You fell asleep during both, I, or you've yeah, never even tried. I haven't okay. seen either. Sorry. All right. It's, it's not what I wanted. Can you play? I should. Clip? It was not what I wanted. But that's okay. We'll move on. I need to make the investment. I need to learn that part of. Well, I'll, I can show. I can show you the way. Uh, <laughs> strangest thing you've ever eaten. Hmm. I guess I just haven't eaten a lot of strange things. Like I like raw oysters. It's, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's a that's little odd. health risk. It's, yeah. a little, it's a little wild. Yeah. yeah. Uh, morning or night? Morning. Armed with a katana and trapped in the octagon, do you take on three king cobras or one bear? I'm going with the cobras. Okay. That's a good answer. Do you have a typical Chick-fil-A order? I've only been to Chick-fil-A. I could probably count on one hand the number of times I've been to Chick-fil-A, but whatever that chicken sandwich is, is great. Okay. We're going to have to edit that out. I know, I know, spicy? I know, I know. Spicy or regular? Um, I, I don't even know. I, I, it's just good. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand that my, my Christian credentials okay. are being called into question here. It's okay. okay. We'll, we'll, we'll edit that, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. They are closed yeah, on please. Sunday. Yeah. You're my chick Oh, yeah. my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Kanye, uh, if you could have coffee with one dead theologian, who would it be? Oh. Can't be a member of the Bible. Can't say Paul. Martin Luther. Okay. That'd be entertaining. What would you ask him? I, I would just let him talk, and uh, talk. it would be funny and probably inappropriate at some point. So <laughs> That's good. Uh, do you eat steak? Yes. How do you have it cooked, do you say? Medium. Medium. Good answer. Mm. Solid. Seinfeld or Friends? He, this is funny. I I have not watched the entire you know Seinfeld. library of either. I have maybe only watched one episode of Friends, um, but probably 10 of Seinfeld, so I'll go with Seinfeld for okay. sure. Okay, all right. I picked See, you as a Seinfeld guy. I, I grew up yeah. not being allowed to watch either of those. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I, by these questions, you could tell the kind of childhood Cody Schweigert had. I come from a very, uh, maybe different background. <laughs> I was in a fundamentalist Bible college when it, when they were on, and we didn't have TVs, so it was... Okay, uh, all right, that makes sense. I, yeah, missed that. Sense. No judgment. That's wow. a story for another time. Yeah. <laughs> we were going to have a whole conversation about pop culture, and now I'm not so sure we should. <laughs> not the expert. Ocean or mountains? Mountains. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Bacon or sausage? Bacon. Name a professional athlete you think you could beat up if you had to. Not that you would ever condone violence like unnecessarily. Mm. I don't think I could beat up a single professional athlete. There's a right answer here. Oh. Um, is it a real sport or is it like golf? <laughs> his name starts with tom and it ends with brady tom brady's got to be in decent shape i could he beat up tom my brady. age 
and okay. playing in the NFL. I could beat up Tom Brady, though. I'm not saying he's not a great quarterback. Tom, I don't want he's to. 42. I get injuries from sleeping. Tom Brady's he's a like big... Getting, Tom Brady's a big boy. What's that I mean? Know. I mean Have, no, I'll show you his. I'll show you some pictures. He gets that, tackled by 350-pound defensive no, ends for he, a living. He, he drops to okay, his knees true. whenever that's someone true. gets He does near throw him. the ball away to keep them away, but still. <laughs> I get hurt walking right. across my bedroom. I'm only 26, and I tell you what, if Tom Brady ever... I don't want to, but if it happened, I could defend myself against you, Tom. All right? You will try. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. I gotta move on. I gotta this move. This isn't Forefront 360 Sports yeah. Edition. I could do. I could do 25 <laughs> minutes on that. Um. Oh all right. Favorite member of the church with the first name of Cody. Oh, man. Yeah. I. I gotta go with Cody Wilbanks. Um, okay. So you're uh, saying? So, oh, oh, oh. I'm you're sorry. Saying, oh, you're saying you like Cody uh, Wilbanks more than me. I mean, yeah. It's all a matter of what you mean by okay. favorite. I guess. I guess. Let me rephrase the question. Yeah, who's been? Different. Who's been in the church longer? Oh, Cody Schweiker. Okay, yeah. thank you. Okay, uh, that's all I wanted to prove. Yeah. Um, I'm just glad you didn't ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> He's got right. seniority. That's something. Kevin, you survived those questions, man. I Barely. put you on the spot. Well, well done. I, Kevin did not see those beforehand, so I, I appreciate your uh, willingness to play that game. Yeah, I feel like I know you better, um, and I feel like we can proceed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's tackle the questions from the public first. Let's yeah. do that. Let's okay. start off with some of those. Kevin, you ready for that? I'm ready. I, I love the public. Awesome. So huge, huge fan of the public. Yeah. I got a question for you from Josh who asks, how do you interpret, quote, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands, end quote, in Psalm 100? Is it a stretch to say that the church should encourage Christians to be involved with music? I think it's a little bit of a stretch of Psalm 100 to say that, because Psalm 100 is make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. So... It's not a stretch to say that God commands Christians to sing. Like that mm-hmm. that's all over scripture. Um making music is a good thing and I think even just from natural law the fact that there is music and that it is beautiful is a calling on the lives of many Christians to make music. I just wouldn't say that Psalm 100 by itself demands that we make music. Sure. Good answer. I'm going to hit you with another one, all right? Okay. So Bronwyn asks can God use secular art to draw us unto himself? If so, do the origins of such work and the intention of the artist matter, even if God can move through that material? Depends what you mean by matter. Um, like, God cares about the heart. God cares about the intentions that, that go behind, or that go into the work that we do. So, so I do think it matters what our intentions are. It matters whether we are good or evil, whether we've been redeemed by God. But wicked people can make beautiful things and that beauty can still speak to the heart that God exists, that there is meaning in the world. And so even if they didn't mean to do that, um, that certainly can be a witness to God's existence. Mm. Um, in the same way that like, if you were to take uh, marriage, uh, a marriage of, of a man and woman who are both atheists still to some degree preaches the gospel Mm-hmm. Because you yeah, have, well said. The man loves the his wife like Christ loves the church, and when he does that, even if he wants nothing to do with Christ or his church, uh, he's still painting a picture of something by by living out that reality that God created, and he doesn't even know why he wants to be in that, but he's mm-hmm. he's in it and he's loving his his spouse. That still gives glory to God, even if he doesn't want anything to do with God. And mm-hmm. so, so yeah, um, can beauty that's made by a wicked person be part of what God uses to show his glory to someone. Um, yeah, God in his goodness and his grace can even do that. 
Yeah. Wow. Well said. Cool. This one is deep here. Uh, this one's from John. I think you have a copy of it, Kevin. Uh, so John asks, besides his benevolent grace, the most confirmatory aspect of God to me is observing what I call a perfect order in the high art of classical music. Uh, does this have any basis in Scripture? Can we come to know God through his creation and creation in general? If so, how? Yeah, that's a, a good question. And I think John is right to perceive that order in the universe all over the place points to God. Um, and then the order in classical music that is beautiful and opens up to your, your heart the fact that there's real meaning out there, uh, all the more so points to the existence of, of a God who designed all this and made all this. But his question is, can we come to know God through that? And I think it's important for Christians to distinguish between general revelation and special mm-hmm. revelation, um, where general revelation is the revelation of God that is available to everybody. So it's generally available, um, but also it's not very specific about who God is. Um, these are things like nature and conscience, where where we can look at nature and know that there's a designer behind it. We can know that God is an artist. We can know certain things about God, at least vaguely, by looking at nature. Um, but we don't know specifically what's God's name. We don't know specifically the story of redemption from looking at the stars or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, they're there, and they point to the glory of God. They point to the fact that he's big and powerful. And what they're supposed to do for us is they're supposed to preach to our heart that I need to seek and find who this God is. And, and beautiful music is supposed to do the same thing, mm-hmm. that when you're just struck with music and, and the meaning washes over you, um, there can't be meaning without someone who meant it. And mm-hmm. so so that's supposed to make you say, who is this God so that you seek him? Um, but you're not going to find him just in the order of music. You're not going to find him in you know the, the leaves and the trees or the stars in the sky. That's the the general revelation that says there's a God out there and I need to seek and find him. The place that we find him is in Jesus. Um, and, and that's where God gave us the special revelation that includes the scriptures, where, where God specifically tells us who he is. And then the, the most special of the special revelation is Christ himself, who is the, the word made flesh who came mm. to be among us. And so the way it's supposed to work is I look at the stars and I say, this didn't make itself. Um, I got to figure out who this creator is that I'm accountable to. Um, there's no more important question than to figure out what's the meaning of this whole thing. So I'm supposed to seek and seek and seek and then finally hear the message of the gospel of Jesus from somebody and believe and then come to to a knowledge of God. Um, that often doesn't happen, and, and that's because we suppress what we know to be true. Uh, Romans 1 says that we're really quick to uh, exchange the, the created thing for the creator, mm-hmm. um, where... We, we start to worship and serve the created thing rather than the creator who, who's blessed forevermore. And so we, we tend to look at the stars and worship them instead of saying that there's a God behind this that I need to worship. Um, so we can't come to know God relationally. We can't come to be in a right relationship with God just by looking at nature or conscience or, or the beauty of music. Uh, we, we need Jesus to, to know God. We need the message of the gospel specifically given to us to know God. Um, but then once we find God in Christ, then then even more of the meaning of nature is opened up mm-hmm, to us mm-hmm. because God wrote two books. He wrote the book of the word and he wrote the book of the world um, where, where the word, the Bible tells us specifically who he is. The world tells us generally who he is. Um, they're both true. They both are consistent with one another. They both line up. But 
but we really need both to to truly come to know God. Mm. Mm. I'll say once I became a Christian, the book of the world has been so much more colorful for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I can't do almost anything now without uh, being significantly more emotionally affected. Like if something yeah. is emotional, I'm more emotionally affected now that I know the truth. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And there have been times in church history where Christians have heard like, you know, don't love this world because it's going to pass away and love, love Christ. And really like when we love Christ, we're able to enjoy the world and the things here more, not in an ultimate sense, but, uh, the two are not, you know, in conflict. Christ is like, Hey, I made this for you. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I'm going to love my wife more if I know that she is specifically designed by God. You know, if I, if I look at her and I have to keep preaching to myself that really she's just a sack of chemicals, um, that that's going to take, it's not the most romantic thought. Like that, I think uh, there's a whole lot more meaning that, that that relationship gets infused with if, uh, if there is a God behind her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we think a lot about that in relation to the arts, like that the arts are supposed to draw our eyes upward and they're supposed to help us to think about transcendent things. Uh, whereas we often tend to kind of naturalism that this right here, this is all there is. But the arts say that's not all there is. Right. There's something more out there. And I think as Christians, it's so beautiful because we actually know some specifics about what actually is out there and yeah. the, the spiritual reality that, that God has for us. Um, yeah. And for me, like that helps me enjoy art more because Absolutely. it's it's pointing to God. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Should we talk about something God said in the second commandment? <laughs> Let's tackle this beast. We've been, uh, Rich, you endeavored to write a blog post about this, like, what was it, two years ago? It's kind of blog posts after dark at this point. Yeah, and we got <laughs> we got lost in this thing. The whole team kind of talked about it and read through it, and we're like, we don't really know the, how to even tackle this. So, so actually, yeah. to give Kevin like super quick background of what we're talking about, about... Uh, Probably about two years ago, I put a lot of time and effort into writing uh, or kind of gathering thoughts um, on whether or not images, graven images, Mm -hmm. have any place in church or in the Christian experience. And I looked specifically at um, Protestant, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox practices Mm -hmm. and got, like, met with people that are. Uh, either participants or leaders in those churches to get their perspective on that. And I was really struck by, um, I felt outnumbered as a reformed Protestant because almost every other church was very supportive of graven images. Mm -hmm. So um, when we met as a group to kind of discuss what I had amalgamated, we were like, I don't know, we got to be really careful with this. So um, because we have taken such care, it has not seen the light of day. (laughs) So, uh, so the, uh, here comes a question about it. <laughs> a question yes. that I've put no thought into. <laughs> Perfect. Seeing the light of day. That's great. Sure. Well, no, I mean, you actually touched on it in the in our previous podcast, which y'all had heard a week ago, um, and about like what the second commandment means, means for us and means for the church. But just to give the context of what scripture says, uh, Exodus 24 through 6 says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. 
And then Paul says in Acts 17, 29, he says, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. So we have these passages in scripture and, and Christian artists have wrestled with these over the years. What does this mean? What does this mean for art in the church? Um, What does this mean for art in the context of worship? And just for, uh, for a little more context, I want to throw out to you a few um, opinions that, that I've seen from, from various sources. So there's an article from Ligonier that, that lays out about this commandment. And it says, you know, like a little bit after this commandment, God's commanding Israel to craft images of cherubim. Mm-hmm. So it, it can't be that God is um, like completely against artistry in worship. Uh, but then the article says to attempt to depict the divine apart from Jesus, the Christ, however well-intentioned is to craft an idol and violate God's prerogative to reveal himself in whatever manner he so chooses. Mm-hmm. So they're saying like art is fine in worship, but we shouldn't try to depict God, the father or God, the spirit. Yeah. Um, but you know, other forms might, might be acceptable depending on what they are. And a former professor of mine has a, a slightly different view. He says, um, you know, when God commanded the creation of cherubim images, the people creating them were really artisans. They weren't artists. Yeah. They weren't kind of forming things out of their own imagination that it was acceptable because God kind of specifically told them what to make you at know, that make, moment, make yeah. these specific cherubim. They're like, all right. And they follow the instructions, but they weren't kind of working out of their own imaginations. Yep. So you have these, these people. And then we have our, our good friend, Benjamin Myers, who came to forefront 2017 and he has perhaps the best take of all when he quips that uh, all the images that he creates are strictly of the ungraven variety. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we, so we have all of these different takes on on these passages in Scripture. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, what what is your take as you think about these passages? You know, what what do these passages tell us about how God wants to be worshipped? Yeah. Um, how specific or broad do, do you view that commandment? I, mean, I think we could start with what's what's clear, um, which is number one, we're not bowing down in front of anything that isn't God. Um, so, so that's really clear, and I think that's probably universal. We're not going to yeah. worship any objects. Um, mm-hmm. Number two, I think is is pretty clear, is that we are not going to make an object and call it God. Mm-hmm. Like we're not going to mm-hmm. carve something and say that's God, golden calf, or right? Um, where the debate starts to come in is, you know, what about this you know, painting of God, the father, um, Sistine chapel. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, or or even a painting of Jesus, right. Which is our many, I would say even less clear than, (laughs) than the father or the spirit, but it's, uh, certainly God is going to be known primarily through the ministry of the word. Um, in, in our era, even more in the old, than in the old Testament. And it's one of the things that Calvin objected to, uh, when it, came to like the iconography in, in the church is that he he felt like when the church was trying to carve lots of different images, even though they wouldn't say that this is God and that we need to bow down and worship this thing in doing that, he felt that the church was moving back to old Testament worship, which had so many shadows and forms that were fulfilled in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. so he tried to keep things much simpler so that the word could be central because the word is how Jesus desires to be known. Um, and so, so, so I'm very hesitant to, to ever endorse the painting of a picture of God, even God, the son, I don't like what it does. And while, because mm-hmm. Christ, you know, became flesh, we may not 
be violating the second commandment by painting a picture of Jesus. I still think there's, there's a danger in it. Mm-hmm. And that's that we are, um, we just can't tell the whole story with it. Um, that, that God wants to be known yeah. through the word and in a, a snapshot in, I mean, any picture that I take of a mountain leaves out most of the, the mountain. Right. And, and if all we think of when we think of a mountain is that picture that I took, mm-hmm. uh, we're missing more than we're catching. And so when we make an image of God, it, it, I think it can do some damage. Like it can paint a picture of God that's not true. And I think mm-hmm. like the classic example is, you know, the, the lily white, blue eyed, blonde haired oh, Jesus. who looks yeah. like he's Teutonic like Jesus. the lady in the <laughs> shampoo like, commercial Teutonic with Jesus. his yeah. flowing yeah. locks. Um, yeah. And so, so there's that. And that's like, well, that, that's not who he is. Yeah. But think of all the other ways we misrepresent God with those, those images. Let me make mm-hmm. this more complicated real quick. Uh, Let's say, let's say I write a poem and, you know, one of the goals of poem is to craft an image and to appeal to the senses of the reader and to put an image or to, you know, it's not only that, but Mm -hmm. sometimes we want uh, to craft an image. Even imagery is a popular word in poetry and it's not, it doesn't exactly mean what it does in visual arts, but Mm -hmm. is a poem about Christ even describing what he looks like? Is that kind of stepping into the same territory of danger? I, I think it is because I think it can say things that just aren't true of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we have biblical revelation that says some true things. Like I, I think we can say for sure Jesus had a beard because mm-hmm. Isaiah said that they, they plucked his beard out. Right. Um, like we, we can say that he didn't have any form that we should desire him. Um, like there wasn't anything spectacular looking. Like he wasn't 6'5". Right. Jack yeah, he wasn't, wasn't Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> oh. But, uh, but so, but it doesn't tell us a lot of the physical characteristics yeah. of Jesus. And that's probably for a reason. Whereas mm-hmm. Ben Myers, he gave a keynote at forefront 17 and says something like, here's two poems about Jesus. This poem says Jesus suffered something like that. Jesus suffered. And then a different poem was like his flesh was torn and ripped and he was thrown in the dust and he bled sweat and um, things we, things we know from the scriptural account, but it's that's imagistic and rich but feels okay. To it does. Me. I think that's different. That's different. Yeah, well, I don't think it's making a proposition about him what or he his looks nature like. that yeah. is uh, would would very easily be contradicted by scripture. Right. I think people do understand that there's some artistic liberty when it comes to you know, writing this poem about how I feel about Jesus and when I mm-hmm. think about what he went through. Um, that I am saying some things about like this is how I feel. This is what I think. This is what my imagination does. Mm-hmm. But I think when we start to say that, you know he was ripped or something like that. Like, yeah. We don't know. I, I think the, I mean, the, it seems like what you're saying is that the key difference is when we are taking Liberty to depict Jesus or God in a certain way that we don't know to be true. Yeah. Right. Whereas yeah. when we are reacting to something that we do know to be true from scripture, that's mm-hmm. a different story yep. than being like, Oh, I'm going to put Jesus in this scene that may or may not have occurred, you right. know, things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Good synthesis. And I think, I just think we have to be careful when it comes to making any art that would, would claim a depiction of God. And I think God's given us the whole world that we can depict. Like mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. we can make art about just about anything. Um, and, and that was one of the things that the Reformation freed artists up to do. Like they said, you don't have to just paint pictures of like the Madonna with her child. You don't have to just paint pictures of biblical scenes and biblical mm-hmm. imagery that, that's not the only valid thing for an artist to do. 
In fact, an artist can actually be doing something even more valid when they're they're painting a picture of a mountain scene or a village scene or a scene Bowl around of a Christmas dinner. Because yeah. we already have the the image of the Madonna and child in scripture. Right. And you're never going to paint a better one. Right. Yeah. Right. And so so why not give yourself to painting all kinds of pictures of the world that God made and being as creative as you want and telling all kinds of stories. They're as creative as you want about anything, but then allowing the revelation of the word to speak for, for itself. Right. I mean, when you're talking about this, I'm thinking about uh, not only depictions of God, but just like art used in worship. So you've often used the language, you know, God doesn't want to be worshiped like primarily with imagery. He wants to be, he wants to be known through the word. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the question is, how does that come into play with other imagery that might be in a worship setting? So like, um, you know, at Grace Road, we have great graphic design, which looks great. And I think helps me, you know, worship better to the extent that it's used. Um, on, uh, on Christmas Eve services, we use candles, uh, that, you know, we do a candlelight service and we sing and we have decorations for Easter and, you know, like these things aren't commanded in scripture. God doesn't, we don't have explicit passages about them, but to me, like the symbolism that they bring that is both, you know, visual and sensory in different ways helps me worship God better. Um, how do you think about that? You know, that even when it's not word-based, are there ways we can use imagery in a worship setting that might not be depicting God, but just helping us worship? Yeah. And I think it's, it's all allowable. Um, and it's, and it's all good. I think there's, there's a certain danger of, you know, putting up an image or putting up a statue for us to, to meditate on it, um, that we can, we can pretty easily jump over into worship. Um, like I remember I was a, a Roman Catholic kid and I remember sitting in, in our church service where there was a pretty well done you know, statue of, uh, or crucifix with Jesus being mm-hmm. crucified. Like, and it was carved and it was well done and it was beautiful. It was gigantic. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a kid feeling like I'm, I don't know if I could even distinguish as a kid between praying to that thing mm-hmm. and praying to Jesus. Um, so it's a danger. Some of this might just be, you know, knowing where I've been and some of it's just an issue of conscience probably like where, you know, I just wouldn't want to ever go back to that form of worship, yeah. but, um, probably as deeply as I thought about it. Oh. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to sure. throw you a curveball here. So my, so the, one of the things that I've, you know, thought about a lot and I'd love to hear your thoughts on mm-hmm. is I, I agree with you that the scripture says that Jesus wants to be known through the word. But my, my question is, in settings where the word is communicated mm-hmm. visually, yep. um, I agree that it can't be depicted nearly as well as through the word. Sure. But even, I think this was two weeks ago, uh, you were preaching at Grace Road about a cathedral in France. Yes. Yep, Saint-Chapelle. Yeah, yep. and you were talking about how these Bible stories were yep. depicted beautifully all throughout the church. Mm-hmm. Most of the arguments that I've ever heard in defense of images in church from Catholic or Orthodox or Byzantine sources are because of the tradition of a time when the average churchgoer couldn't read. So they would come to church and they would understand the Bible through images. Do you think that that is dangerous or is that a, a good practice? I think it's allowable. Like if we're not, you know, trying to represent you know, God, the father, God, the mm-hmm. spirit, I think then, um, then there's a lot that's allowed. 
I still think for an illiterate audience, a better approach would be to try to read teach them to read them. and, yeah. and uh, teach them the, the word. And even oral tradition. like Yeah. Yeah. But um, I wouldn't say that it's bad. Um, and I mean, St. Chapelle, I think for me, the greatest witness of St. Chapelle is just the beauty of the place. Mm -hmm. Um, you just walk in and it's like color and light, like you've never seen anywhere else. Um, you know, just 45 feet tall or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, just, uh, absolutely unbelievable. And the building is impressive on the outside, but then you go inside and it is light and beauty and color. Um, and it's, uh, all by itself. If I didn't even know what was depicted in those stained glass windows, that tells you there is meaning in the world mm -hmm. like there that yeah. there is a god behind this world like we we can't have that kind of reaction to these kind of things without a god being out there so i think there's a and witness I mean, to it even before that is yeah and i mean before stained glass windows were ever made like the original intention of the high cathedral was to make the you know the uh european peasant walk into the through the doors and know that there is something huge out there yeah. something way bigger than you know, anything they experience on a daily basis. And I think to that still exists. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's hard stuff to, it's so, it, again, it feels so easy to slip into a pit on either side and it's, it's a hard thing, but seems like a lot of this is a matter of wisdom and conscience. Yeah. And yeah. that actually goes pretty well into your next topic here. Yeah. Uh, I actually, and I know that I w we want to wrap this app up pretty quickly, but, um, this, this question might be helpful for listeners to think through some things because, uh, I imagine you've been asked about secular art, like yeah. Pastor Kevin. What can I listen to? What can't I listen to or watch or consume? Um, pop culture, you know. There's lots of great stuff, and God's common grace is there's really great movies out there that I know are excellent just because of critical reviews. And some of those movie movies, I've said like, man, I I feel like I'm missing out culturally, and yeah. I want to watch that, but I know that there's I know this kind of content is in there, and I'll avoid that because it's going to get in the way of me pursuing holiness and Christ and all right. that. And so, uh, what would you say about that? Yeah. I, I think on the one hand, it's, it's very broad what we can enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not like, you know, Christian or, or art that Christians can enjoy isn't limited to you know, posters of Bible verses and the left behind novels and, <laughs> you know, um, and anything on Caleb like that, <laughs> that's all reason. we can do. Everything else outside of that is a sin. And I actually went through a season of life when I was a kid like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I came to faith as, as a 12 year old kid. And then it was in an environment where it was almost like all secular music is sin. And, and I remember like having a campfire in my backyard and burning the CDs I don't know what you do today with, with MP3s, but delete, I, I, delete. a real passionate, yeah, a real like, passionate yeah, press button of the hard. And so I remember burning like, you know, Billy Joel CDs and stuff like that. Uh, it's actually music that I have since repurchased <laughs> because of the beauty of it. But, um, so, so I was in that kind of environment where it was like the only music Christians can enjoy is the stuff that is back then there was this sound and spirit. It was a CD club. This is, you guys won't even, you won't have a clue what <laughs> I'm talking about. All of our faces just yeah. went blank. No, you, you signed up for this thing and they mailed you like seven CDs for a nickel or something like that. <laughs> Whoa. But then you had to agree that you were going to buy six more over two years oh, and they just ripped you off. It was like 25 bucks a CD or something like that for, <laughs> it was by the time you shipped them to yourself. And so it's like a pyramid it, scheme. Or yeah, something. <laughs> it was so Please like, tell me this is a Christian organization. Oh, absolutely. Oh. Sound and spirit. It was, uh, it was amazing. And so, so I got my order of Petra and, uh, 
DC talk CDs and this was the sanctified music. This was the, mm-hmm. the good stuff and everything else was a sin. And and that was kind of how I felt for a number of years. That makes sense. Yeah. And, and I think there's, there was some well-meaning teaching behind that, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, the things we're thinking about all the time do affect us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes we have seasons of life where we need to have, uh, some more rules for ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little bit like scaffolding for, for while we're building like the, the strength of the Christian life. And mm-hmm. so, so there are certain restrictions that every Christian has to have at times, um, that are not necessarily biblical restrictions, but just be good for me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it wasn't all bad, but I did have a distorted view just where I thought that the only music Christians could enjoy was music that was explicitly you know, K love type mm-hmm. Christian music. Now there is a, a ditch on the other side of the road. And that is that yeah. Christians just enjoy everything without any kind of discernment mm-hmm. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you were kind of hinting at the Game of Thrones issue. I was. Actually, that, that's uh, the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, yeah. and, and that's one where, like, because I know that there is explicit sexuality in it, we don't watch that. Um, yeah. and, and I do. Like, I feel like there are certain conversations I'm just not in with people because I don't know what they're talking about because I haven't seen Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. But I don't want to see that. Um, I, I think that but just, is that is that a Kevin thing or is that like I don't think any any professing believer should be watching this. It's hard. Here here's where I think there is some gray area. Yeah. Um when it comes to violence being depicted in a movie, I think that some Christians can watch that without sinning. Mm-hmm. Um but that's because so so you know imagine the movie set. They're they're doing this violent scene and someone gets run through with a spear, you know, yeah. b- by William Wallace or something <laughs> like that. Um they say cut. And then they're laughing. And the guy stands up and he walk, yeah. washes off the fake blood. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and so it wasn't real. And you watch that knowing that's not real. Mm-hmm. A sex scene is different. Yeah. Because she doesn't stand up and say, oh, that's not my body. Like that actually is her body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something that's meant to be seen only by her husband. Yeah. Um, and so there's a certain something that you're stealing there by mm-hmm. by seeing that. Like there's... It, yeah. uh, Christ was clear about what, what lust is and how that's sin. And so I don't see how that is allowable mm-hmm. for Christians. Um, I think that's that's something to be fought and repented of. And you know, there are some Christians who claim that they can fast forward through all those scenes. And, okay, I can, can believe yeah. you, but I would prefer to just avoid the, the shows where I yeah. know there's going to be stuff like that yeah. because I don't even want to have to be that on guard. Yeah, here's what we need. We need someone. Please, someone do this. Go through... Go through Game of Thrones and clean that up and create a new version. And I don't know. And it's a real problem with Netflix because there are so many shows that oh, you Netflix get into. And it's like this show's amazing, then all of a sudden you realize, and it's just yeah. like you can't. You like, it's, yeah. yeah, the uh, yeah Netflix makes uh, the problems we had with HBO back in the early two thousands right. like nothing. No. Yeah, but I, I think too, just the the thought that I uh, always had, you know, looking at different issues like violence and whatnot, like that the fact that the Things like violence, like we live in a very violent world. Yep. Like that's things that, you know, especially like today, we're very protected by that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, here in Rochester, New York and whatever. Uh, but I think that when it comes to like issues of sexuality, yeah. these are things that we hopefully wouldn't be walking into in our daily life. Right. But, you know, like violence and death and strife, those are things that are unavoidable. You yeah. know, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do you think that some of this has to do with like the questions we're asking? Like I know for me, it's, it's tempting to want to just engage in everything so I can be part of the conversation. Right. Just like you were talking about, like there are some conversations I'm not part of. And it's like, well, man, like I run an arts organization. Like I, you know, I I work at a company where we make movies and it's like, 
you just want to be able to have those conversations. And so it's tempting to say, well, that's kind of my reasoning for yeah. just like engaging with everything. Do you think that there is like, you know, a better question to be asking, you know, that has to do more on the positive end with not so much, oh, you know, what's not allowed, right. but maybe like what is going to bring me closer to Christ? What's going to, you know, help me on my walk with him? What art is, you know, valuable and beautiful, you know, like, like are, are those questions that you ask? Yeah. I mean, that something would, that's true, yeah. good and beautiful can stir my affections for Jesus, even if it yeah. was made by someone who's not a Christian. And even if the themes are not explicitly Christian, um, but then there, there are other things that are not beautiful and that are inherently mm-hmm. sinful and those can't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I think like, is this, does this have the potential to stir up my affections for Christ in some way, even just by the depiction yeah. of beauty or a great story or something like that? Um, or is this something that is going to lead me into lust or, or lead me into just a, a wrong pattern of thinking? And, and yeah. within there, I think there is a little bit of, you know, some Christians can do certain things and some cannot. But I think the, the bigger question is like, is this good? Mm-hmm. And, and will this produce good? Mm. Is there anything you've seen or listened to recently that, you just thought was amazing that you'd want to plug here. Oh, I've been uh, knee deep in working on another master's degree. So my watching and listening has been really limited lately. So probably anything wouldn't be all that current. What do um, you, what are you doing? Master's degree? What are you, what um, are you up to? Ken? I'm, yeah. Working on a uh, master's of theological studies from Midwestern Baptist theological seminary. I didn't know that. About nice. two thirds into it. Okay. So cool. I'd like to plug this one podcast for you. It's called Forefront 360. Yeah. Oh, now I am a podcast <laughs> yeah. So, So if I go for a walk or something, I'm always listening to, yeah. to a podcast. That's an art form. Very much. We'll say that. Very much. What are your favorite podcasts? Um, I, I'd like lately, I mean, it's I go in streaks, like where I'll burn one out yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, the Cultivated Podcast is tremendous. Yes. I'm sure you Love guys it. have heard Huge fans Mike here. Cosper. Um, yeah. uh, what else am I listening to? I'll, I'll listen to a lot of sermon podcasts. So just like you know, the Village Church is, is mm-hmm. one of the, the regulars. Um, also listen to like, who, who's not a Christian, but I enjoy the Jordan Peterson podcast. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like I always have to qualify that cause a lot of people get excited. Like he's a Christian, right. but really he, I mean, denies the resurrection and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But I, I think he's engaging to listen to and, yeah. and spooky smart. So those are the ones that I'm probably on the current kick with, but cool. and, and the happy but, rant and the happy <laughs> rant. Yeah. My wife is way more current on it than I am where uh-huh. I probably catch one out of four, but she, she catches them all. Nice. Well, Kev- catch them all. Yeah, well, Kevin, we'll have to have you back on the show, man. When we get when we get Ted Cluck, uh, when we get Ted Cluck on the show, then because... I would be starstruck. Yeah, yes. be, yeah. yeah, me too. You'll have to go easy on the sports talk, though. This is an art and faith podcast. Yeah, okay, yeah. listen, Nate, <laughs> <laughs> We're, we'll do we'll do an alternate. Jim episode. Kelly was an artist too. It's good. It's good. <laughs> he was that good. <laughs> he he <laughs> was an artist. Oh my gosh, Ted Cluck, good, good true, and beautiful. Yeah. So uh, anyway, um, man, we are sincerely thankful that you spent so much time with us today. Thank you so uh, glad to be here. Yeah, man, it's a it's a thrill to to even get get some time with you, but especially on this show, and uh, we appreciate the way you've you've supported what we're doing for so long. Yeah. Thank you, guys. So uh, again, thanks for listening to another episode of Forefront Three Hundred and Sixty. If you enjoy the show, leave us a rate and review. Um, helps us spread the word about what we're doing at Forefront. So that would mean so much to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, until next time, keep pursuing authentic faith and excellent art.